Amen. I was planning to put my coat on, but I had wardrobe malfunction, and I yanked my microphone off in the midst of that, so I thought, I am hot anyway today. <laughs> I felt like I barely got my clothes on after the baptisms. So I'm not going to wear my coat today, and I think that will be okay with you. I, I hope anyway it is, because I... I think that's the best today, that I not fight with it and leave the coat off. And as we begin this morning, I want to clarify one thing for you from the business meeting. On Sunday night, uh, someone came and talked to me uh, late in the week and said, you know, one thing that you said during the business meeting might not have been interpreted correctly. And so I want to clarify that right now. When we were talking about the cooperative program What I was really trying to say was that both times that I went to Zimbabwe, the cooperative program paid all of my expenses with the exception of $750. Both of those times I wrote a check for $750, but then after the fact, the the mission fund here at Greensburg Baptist Church graciously reimbursed me for the 750 times two. So if that confused anybody, I sincerely apologize. I hope, I hope that by this point you would know that I would never intentionally say anything that was wrong. So again, if that offended you, I apologize. So with that said, we are continuing our journey this morning throughout the book of 1 Peter. And just a reminder to you, the book of 1 Peter is a letter. Now, recently we made our way through the book of Philippians. It was also a letter. However, 1 Peter's different than Philippians in the fact that 1 Peter is a circulating letter. Peter wrote this to the Christians who were located in the part of the world that we now know as Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And he wrote it at a time of both political and social unrest. There are a couple of things that as we proceed through our journey through this particular book that I want to remind us of each and every time that we are in this particular sermon series. The first is the context. You've heard me say over and over again that context is so very important. And so I want to tell you each time what the context of this book is. The context, it was written by Peter to believers in Asia Minor, specifically in the portion of the world that we currently know as Turkey. And he wrote that between AD 60 and AD 67. Now the theme is something that I also want to remind you of each and every time because there is indeed a recurring theme that appears throughout this particular book. And it's one that's hard, I think it's hard to hear. It's hard to swallow. But here's what it is. Believers should follow the example of Christ by joyfully enduring persecution. That's a tough one, but that's what we see happen over and over throughout the book of 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 1 this morning, beginning with verse 13, and we're going to cover the rest of the chapter. At this point, if you are physically able to stand this morning, would you stand with me for just a moment, excuse me, to honor the reading of God's Word. Here's what God's Word says. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy 
for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good word, the good news that was preached to you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. I thank you for the richness of this particular passage. Father, I pray that you will just simply hide me behind the cross, strengthen me to preach this passage. Father, right now I pray specifically for my voice, which appears to be getting weaker this morning. But what I pray that you will strengthen it. I know that you can do that. Lord, I pray that I will faithfully point these people to you and to the cross. And I pray most of all, if there is one here this morning that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, may this be the day that they make the most important decision of their life. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Would you get my water? Oh, thank you. I apologize for that. It's like as I was reading the scripture, my voice was just closing off. So y'all be praying, please, for my voice. <clears throat> the, the title of the message this morning is A Call to Holiness. A Call to Holiness. And I just want to say at the very beginning, <clears throat> if Christ has transformed our hearts, and that's what he does when we profess faith in him as our Lord and Savior, he indeed transforms our heart. Once that happens, we have a call to holiness. It's not an option. We are expected to live holy lives each and every day. Now, as we proceed through the remainder of the text this morning, we're going to wrap our minds around this big idea that is found in the rest of our text this morning, and it's this, displaying holiness even through the midst of pain. Displaying holiness even in the midst of pain. Can I tell you this morning that coming to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, coming to faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in no way does that indicate an absence of pain. You will experience pain. It is a given Throughout your life, you will experience pain. And during that time, we are supposed to display holiness, even in the times when it is difficult. 
Now, remember last time we talked about that living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, as we look for our, at our text today, I want us to remember that, that we have that living hope. But here's one of the things that I want you to remember, that living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It does not, it does not only impact where we're going to spend our eternity. In heaven with Jesus, guess what else it impacts? Our lives right here and now. If we are in Jesus Christ, if we are following Him as our Lord and Savior, if He has transformed our hearts, then it affects how we live right now in this life on earth. And during that span of time, we are expected to display holiness even in the midst of pain. As we look at verse 13, Peter starts this particular portion of Scripture by telling us to prepare our minds for action. And I want you to be thinking about that for just a minute. Why would he do that? Why would he tell us to prepare our minds for action? Well, one of the reasons is because there is indeed some action that is required on our part. We must prepare our minds. If you remember back in the Philippians sermon series, there was one of those particular sermons near the end where the concept of guarding our minds came up. And I spent some time talking about that and how important it is for us as Christians to guard our mind, guard what comes in, guard what we let in our minds. We've got to do that. But now we are, here we are today, we're in a different sermon series in a book of the Bible that was written by another man. And here we see our minds written again, specifically that we are going to, we need to prepare our minds. So I want you to still be thinking, so why is that significant? Well, I think when Peter wrote this, he knew that when those people read this to prepare their minds, that they would have an understanding excuse me, of what he was talking about. You see, back in that period of time when this was written, people didn't dress like they did today. Instead, they wore generally robes that came to the ground. So let's just suppose that they wanted to walk quickly or if they wanted to run. Unless they did something first, they would fall flat on their face because they would trip on their clothing. So in order for them to walk fast or run, they would have to pick, pull the robe up and either hold it up away from the bottoms of their feet or they would have to tie it up so they wouldn't trip over it. So Peter is telling them here, just with that analogy in mind, you've got to do something to prepare your mind. I think he is telling them something like this this morning. Pull your thoughts together. Pull your thoughts together. Don't let Satan inside your mind. Don't let him there. Don't let anything inside your mind that might possibly hinder you from the work of Jesus Christ. Church, it's important that we realize that we must discipline our minds. And as we do that, look what he says to do. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's face it, when we are suffering, it is easy to to focus on what's happening right now, isn't it? If we are physically in pain, or if we are emotionally in pain, 
The temptation is to focus on what's happening right now in this very moment and not to focus on what we know is coming with our eternity in Jesus Christ. So we've got to discipline our minds. We've got to focus on those things that we know to be eternal. Now, does that mean that that the pain will go away? No, it doesn't. That does not mean that the physical pain will go away but we know what's coming. And we can focus on that instead. In verse 14, Peter references as obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And it's important that he says former ignorance. You know, at a time before we know the truth, my mic's not working. Okay, it's okay. Just follow along in your Bible. Um, that's, that's one reason we always encourage you to bring your Bible with you. You know, sometimes the technology that we lose the internet connection, that's okay. Follow along in your Bible. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter if we have this particular uh, slide on the screen because guess what? It's, it's the Word of God. If you've got your Bible there with you, you've got the slide, and it's right in front of you. You've got the, you've got the main thing. <clears throat> but he's telling them here, Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. There was a time in their life that they hadn't heard the truth. They hadn't heard it. Guess what? There was a time in your life that you hadn't heard the truth either. You hadn't heard it either. But you hear the truth. His name is Jesus Christ. And you know then who you're supposed to follow. You know where your eyes are supposed to be. You know what you're supposed to let inside your mind. So don't go back to your former way of life, or as Peter refers to it, as their former ignorance. And then look at verse 15. If you've got your Bibles out, I want you to focus on verse 15 right now. But as he who called you is holy. Now we're talking about Christ. Christ is who calls Christians. And Christ is holy. Will you agree with me this morning? Christ is holy. He has called you to holiness. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in how much of your conduct? What's it say? It says all, doesn't it? What's that mean? It means all. It means all. If we are following Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are to be holy in all of our conduct. It is not an option for the child of Jesus Christ to not be holy in all of their conduct. Now, will there be times when we mess up? Unfortunately, yes. But that should be the exception, not the rule. There are so many people that want to talk about the wrath of the, the grace of God, but never talk about the wrath of God. You've heard me say before, I think we should talk about them together. The grace of God is certainly real, and thank God, thank God for His amazing grace. But let me tell you, the wrath of God is real too. The wrath of God is real. We are to be holy in all of our conduct. And then he reminds them, and us, in verse 16, it's written, You shall be holy, why? For I am holy. You shall be holy, for I am holy. As we look at verse 17, again, I hope you're following along in your Bibles. 
What Peter does here in verse 17, he reminds the reader of God's role as judge. And he will judge, just like verse 17 says. He will judge impartially according to each one's deed. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. And I, while we're talking about God's role as judge, I want to I stop and talk about something for just a minute. I don't know if you have ever been in a discussion with anybody and you hear what I'm getting ready to describe, but there are many times that people will ask me, maybe somebody from the community, hey, Todd, would you tell me what you think about this situation? And then they'll proceed to describe some type of sinful situation. And then I will say, here's what God's Word says. Here is what God's Word says. And if you want to honor Jesus, you must be willing to walk away from what you just described to me that is clearly sinful. And then so many times at that point, they will quote a portion of a verse of Scripture. Anybody want to guess what it is? Judge not, lest you be judged. Close. <laughs> Bye. Buttons come unbuttoned there. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. So y'all, y'all continue to pray. It seems like there's just a string of things that are happening this morning. I hope. I hope I've. I, I, I'll just stop it right there. But they will. They will quote. Judge not. The Bible says, "Judge not, lest you be judged." Many times, can I tell you many times that verse is being taken out of context? I could also point you to at least one additional verse of Scripture that says we are indeed to judge. So again, it goes back to the importance of taking Scripture in context. But even if you don't want to receive what I've just said, there is another verse in the Bible that says we are indeed to judge. And if you are perhaps one of those people that says, hey, only God can judge me, well, rest assured he will. Rest assured he will. And if you are holding on to that phrase, only God can judge me, I would seriously reevaluate whether or not you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. God notices obedience, but guess what else he notices? disobedience. You see, there are certain people in our world today that they hide behind a mask of someone that looks like a Christian, but they're not actually one at all. Can I tell you, we're all completely transparent to Jesus Christ. We are all completely transparent to Jesus Christ. In verse 18, He reminds us, he reminds them, which right now is us that he's reminding, that we were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, when a ransom occurred, a price had to be paid. A price had to be paid. The price that had to be paid for our salvation, it was so great that it could not be paid with something that would perish like silver or gold. Instead, it had to be purchased with what? 
the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question this morning. Please understand when I ask this, I am asking it with a heart full of love. But how precious is the blood of Jesus Christ to you? How precious is it? If, you, if it's not precious to you, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. You see, the, that blood is so precious to me that I realize that because of me, because of my sin, there was a perfect Savior that was willing to go to the cross of Calvary. And not just willing to go, He was willing to give His life for me so that I could have salvation. So that you could have salvation. Can I tell you, it's, it's precious to me. His blood is precious to me. I wonder, is it precious to you this morning? And I hope that the answer to that is a resounding, yes, His blood is precious. If, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that blood is precious to me or not. I would urge you to come forward in the invitation. I would love to talk to you about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I would love to tell you a a lot more about this man named Jesus Christ. In verse 20, Peter reminds us that he he, Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in these last times because of who? What's What's the Scripture say? You, right? Because of you, because of me. You see, the death of Jesus on the cross, it was not some type of alternate plan that they just came up with at the last minute. Instead, what does it say in verse 20? This was foreknown before the foundation of the world. It was made manifest in the last time for the sake of me, for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in who? God. God. Let me tell you this morning, if your faith is in anyone other than God, you're looking at the wrong place. If your hope is in anything other than God, you're looking at the wrong place. Our faith and hope are only in God this morning. If our faith and hope are in Him, then both of those things, our faith is eternal, our hope is eternal. But I'm telling you, if it's in anything else, it's just like the ransom price that we talked about a few minutes ago. It's going to perish. If your hope and faith are in anything other than God this morning, it's going to perish. But if your hope and faith is in God, it is eternal and it will never, ever go away. And then verse 22, we're going we're gonna to try to quickly wrap up, wrap up here. But if you are looking in verse 20, at verse 22 in your Bible, there are a number of important words or important phrases. And, you know, I'm even hesitant to say anything like that because every word of the Bible is significant. Every word of the Bible is significant. And I want you to hear me say that. But in verse 22, it is filled with important words, having purified, that's, that's one of the important words. Your souls, that's another important word. By your obedience, that is an important word. To the truth, that is an important word. For a sincere brotherly love, important phrase. 
Then it says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That verse is packed full of richness there. It is packed full of richness. I wonder this morning, does that describe, does, do those words that I pointed out, do they describe you and your life? You see, when we come to that faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ, He cleansed us in, at that moment of our sin. And at that moment, He declared us pure, pure in His sight. And from the moment of our salvation, we are to begin living lives that are holy, that are blameless, that are pure, that are acceptable to God. You get the picture. Now, will we always get it right? No, we won't. Unfortunately, we won't. Again, as I said a minute ago, praise God for His grace. But I want you to hear me again in love. If somehow you continually live your life and none of these characteristics that I've just pointed out are ever or hardly ever on display in your life, then there's a problem. There is a big problem. And you need to ask yourself this question that is really uh, pointed out in verse 23. Peter says, since you have been born again. I think if you can live your life and none of those qualities are hardly ever, if ever, present, you need to ask yourself the question, have I been born again? Have I been born again? And if you have been born again, listen, it was not from a seed that will perish. Instead, it will never perish, just like verse 23 says. It says, through the living and the abiding Word of God. And I'm going to quickly finish this morning with verses 24 and 25. I want to just read them to you together first as we prepare to close. God's Word says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fades, or falls in this version of, of the Bible. But what happens to the Word of the Lord? The Word of the Lord remains how long? Forever and ever. Amen. That's how long the Word of the Lord remains. Now, I think it's timely that we're covering this particular passage of Scripture today because, you know, right in just a few weeks, what's going to happen to the green grass that's outside? It's going to die pretty much, isn't it? It's going to get brown. It's going to get ugly. Fall is coming, and that green grass that we see right now, it's not going to be green for too many weeks longer. That grass is going to wither. The flower is going to fall, and our flesh is just like that. Our flesh, the Scripture says, it's, it's just like grass. And the glory of our flesh, it's like the flower of the grass both the grass and the flower, they are going to wither. They're going to fall. But the Word of God is not like that. It will remain forever. And that is great news this morning. And that's exactly how this text ends. And this, is, and this Word is the good news that was preached to you. I wonder this morning, do you know Him? Do you know Jesus Christ? as your Lord and Savior. I wonder this morning, are you living a life of holiness? 
let's face it, we're in the midst of a world that is, I often say, saturated with sin. And it is. If you look around, our world is saturated with sin. But that is no excuse for the child of God whose heart has been redeemed to live in sin. We are expected to live lives that are pure, holy, blameless, and acceptable to Him. Perhaps this morning you've realized, you know, I've messed up. I want to remind you, praise God for His grace. Praise God for His grace. But let's be clear. There needs to be a change that occurs. There needs to be a time of repenting and turning from the life of sin. That's what He expects on our, on our part. He expects obedience. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Can I tell you, there is absolutely no finer day to profess your faith in Him. Wouldn't it be wonderful after we have wit- our eyes have witnessed three baptisms, to, our eyes to also witness somebody give their heart, to, their life to Jesus this morning? There would be no finer day to do that. If that's you, I pray that you'll come forward quickly during this time of invitation. And I truly believe that for years, our world has made the process of coming to Jesus as our Lord and Savior appear to be too difficult. Can I tell you, it's not difficult at all to come to Jesus, to confess your sins, to ask Him to forgive you. That's not the hard part. The hard part is what happens after that when we turn and live our life for Him, when we have a desire to live a life of holiness. That's much harder than asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to quickly tell you how. It truly is as simple. You've heard me say this over and over again, most of you have. It's as simple as we teach children in Bible school. It's the ABCs of salvation. The A is we've got to be willing to admit that we're a sinner, that there are things in, within our life that don't please God. Those things are called sin, and that sin has caused a separation between us and God. The B stands for we've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He did everything that the Bible says that He did. That he loved us so much that he was willing to go to that cross on the hill called Calvary. He gave his life for us through the horrible death of execution by crucifixion. His body physically died. They removed him, his body from the cross, placed it in a tomb. And on the third day, that tomb was empty. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. Because of that tomb was empty, that's why we celebrate Easter today. And the C stands for confessing. We've got to be willing to confess that Jesus is our Lord. We've got to be willing to confess our sins to Him. And then part of that process, as I said before, it involves turning from that life of sin. And instead of walking towards the sin, walk towards Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him. Perhaps today... You have another decision that you need to make. I invite you to come forward. Kneel at the foot of the cross. Can I tell you, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. No matter what is in your past, no matter what burden you are carrying, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And that's such a beautiful, beautiful truth. I wonder, do you have a need today? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the richness of your word. Thank you for your 
your presence that is here with us. Lord, I pray that now, if there is a need within this congregation, Lord, I pray that 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 person will come forward this morning and, and make whatever need they have in their life. I pray that they will lay that at your feet and, and make it right with you. Father, I pray that you will just move mightily during this time of invitation. Father, thank you for what you have done already in the service by allowing our eyes to witness those three baptisms. Father, we also give you praise that here in just a few minutes we are going to also be able to partake of the Lord's Supper. What a blessing that today has been. Father, again, I pray you'll move mightily during this time of invitation. And for whatever is accomplished here, I pray that we will always be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.